This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're recording. Right, we can start again now because I wasn't recording, so none of that... Let's go back. None of that gold, none of that camping. More camping people are going to be like, I mean, was it gold? this is niche. Uh, it, well, I mean... It's I getting niche and niche. I think, I think it was barely bronze, but let's go back anyway. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Memory Lane. I'm Jen Bristol. And I'm Kerry Godleyman. Each week we'll be taking a trip down Memory Lane with our very special guest as they bring in four photos from their lives to talk about. To check out the photos we'll be having a natter with them about, they're on the episode image and you can also see them a little bit more clearly on our Instagram page. So have a little look at Memory Lane Podcast. Come on, we can all be nosy together. So you're going to be camping in a tree? I'm going to be, I'm no, I'm not camping in a tree. I'm staying in a tree house. Yeah, definitely a different thing. It, you're saying that as if it's, it's got, not a different thing. You're saying that as if it's the same thing. No, it's only just because I just got back from a holiday that involved camping in a tree. Literally tent up a tree. And I'm going to send Joel pictures to put on our Instagram so that people don't think I'm mad. Okay. It's a thing. There are tents up a tree. But you're staying in a tree house. I'm staying in a tree house. With a bed. I think so, yeah. It's got a bed. I think it's even got a toilet. Oh, my God. No, because that's the other thing. If you are up a tree in a tent, what do you do when you need to go to the toilet? That's why I didn't toilet. do it, You shimmy down that's what the, got the trunk a, of it. Yeah, totally. In, in the middle of the I, night. I, yeah, I didn't get involved. That's why. I, mean, I just yeah. wasn't doing that. Have you ever seen that film Avatar? No. Well, they're all up trees. And, and, and when I'm watching it, I'm thinking, uh, they obviously don't have you know, sewage or running water. I think, what do these people... I mean, I mean they're not people, but... But that's... A, Maybe because it's an it anxiety. wasn't working as a film if that's what was distracting I you from the plot. I don't think James Cameron put enough thought into that. I... It, what about the Ewoks? They lived up in trees, didn't they? Do you remember that in Return of the yeah. Jedi? What were they doing? It never distracted me. Did that... What their toilet situation was really When I was watching me. Star Wars, I was thoroughly gripped... <laughs> By, by George Lucas's <laughs> commitment to narrative and character development, and you were sitting there thinking, "How are these not going to the loo?" I don't, I don't think I was thinking that when I was a kid. But as an adult, where that is a real anxiety for me is Absolutely. middle of the night toilet ablutions. <laughs> I that, that really will that stays in my head, and it will go round in a. Well, in a loop, I suppose, as I'm watching the program, thinking, "Well, I don't know how they're going to the toilet in the middle of the night," because. <laughs> That's what I'm. That's what I'm doing. And as soon as you said tent up a tree, I thought no. Of course, 
absolutely. I'm 100% behind you. I didn't sleep up the tree. Just as soon as I saw it, yeah. I went, I'm not doing that. And there were some Airbnb little cabin situations over in the trees with a loo. And I went, I'll have one of those, please. Did, just to, because, I mean, this is following a, a theme. I know, we won't revisit camping after the summer. No, no, I don't. I just, because I, this is just to carry on this this thematically. Yeah. Where was Ben? Ben came with me into the cabin. This time okay. I didn't abandon Ben up you a tree. Ben. Okay, because I... That... And even Frank, uh, my son, <laughs> was going to um, sleep in the tree. And then he went, please don't make me sleep in the tree, mummy. And I went, no way, you're not sleeping up. <laughs> so uh, we all slept in the cabin. You all slept in the cabin. Okay, that's fine. It would have been a bit weird if Frank had been up there on his own. Yeah, I thought it might be character building, but I thought... No, you don't <laughs> want character building on holiday. <laughs> Uh, will you enjoy yourself? Well, that's over. It's time to build some character. Okay. Listen, just for clarity about the things we put our partners through, it was Chloe that found this treehouse, wasn't it? Not you. Actually, I found it. What? Yes. No. What? I know. I know. So that's put you on the Who back Who are foot. you? Exactly. Who am I? I saw it because I said, I'll tell you why I saw it. I saw it because I'm about to in- embark on quite a long drive to Brittany, right? From the from From Dieppe. And I said, I'd, yeah. li- I'd like to break that up. Yeah. And uh, Chloe was like suggesting going to, I don't know, par- staying in other camping sites. And I thought, well, let's see if there's a- something no, different. I get that. Yeah. Anyway, I found the tree houses. On Airbnb? N- no, it was just like on a, I don't know what I... You Googled tree houses? I Googled unusual campsites or unusual places because I, I was like thinking I'd like to stay like in a caravan like in like an old gypsy caravan oh, I don't yeah I don't even know if you're allowed to say gypsy anymore no I don't but, think so maybe like or one of those American Romany things Romany can I can I say yeah. Romany or like a hobbity hut it's a I don't think you can say hobbity hut look it's fine you can you, you can say hobbity well, hut only if you are a hobbit and you live in Lord of the Rings <laughs> I am a territory hobbit, <laughs> I am a hobbit was that because you have got quite furry feet <laughs> My my point is, I was I I was doing the research, but but and this will now you'll be able to see this is now where Chloe's taken over. I yeah. said let's break it up. We'll have one night in a treehouse, and then we'll go straight to the to the campsite where we'll be staying. About I don't know four or five days ago, I discover that we're not staying for a night. We're staying for three nights. Oh that oh that's quite that's a changed. While. Yes, that, so that's changed what is a stopover into another holiday. I said, yeah, so, it's a holiday within a holiday. It's a holiday within a She said, I told you that I was going to do that. I said, well, I don't remember. And she said, well, you agreed. And I couldn't then go, oh, yeah, because I just wasn't listening to you. So I had to say, oh, okay, that seems fine. I find this really reassuring that these conversations happen in every relationship. But I, it, it, it was probably, I've, oh look, I've had The this. relief, the relief <laughs> to know that all partners don't listen to each other I, is glorious. I can't, listen, if I'm doing something, you can't talk to me because I'm not, I'm not taking it. I'm but here. you're always doing something. I, I'm not always doing something. Sometimes I'm doing nothing. And that's when to get the information the about the tree housing. All the information has to happen then. And, okay. and Chloe said to me, the only time that you're not doing anything is just before bed. <laughs> that's when and she that's when I bounce. Sh- and that's when I shut it down. I go, I can't believe you're talking to me this just before bed. I'm going to go to sleep. So it's, right. it's, to, be, to be fair, it's quite tricky to have a conversation with me. <laughs> this holiday sounds magical, babe. <laughs> 
so stressed. I think it'll be fun. And you just got back from Budapest, didn't you? I just got back from Budapest, yeah. Oh, Jen. I just want to stay at home. No, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. And then when I get back, I'm going straight back on tour. So I'm going to enjoy myself. So how long are you away for? We're away for two weeks. And you're mostly in Brittany? Mostly in Brittany, yeah. Yeah. You're not like popping into Disneyland on the way back or anything? Oh, no. Right. Sorry, that was very emphatic, but absolutely not. (laughs) No, no, no. I can't. That's something separate. You've got to keep that shit separate. You can't involve that. We did that once. We drove back. No, we did that. Exactly that. We drove back from the door door from a camping holiday via Disneyland Paris. Did the kids love it? They absolutely loved it. I tell you what, you have these moments, don't you, sometimes as a parent where you think, I've smashed it. I want a badge. And when Elsie (laughs) waved at Belle in the parade and Belle waved back. Oh, wow. Yeah, Yeah. that was it. I smashed parenting. I was like, beat me up. (laughs) I'm done. Oh no, There's nothing more to achieve. Well, now I feel like I've just let my kids down that I haven't actually taken that one at the end. Yeah, you might have to go via Disneyland. Well, it's a separate holiday and they don't, what they don't know won't hurt them. They're going up a treehouse and that's almost the same thing. For three nights? An, and it's got a toilet. It's got a toilet. It's an incredible opportunity for them to really let their hair down and just have a wild time. I'll be like, I think keep flushing. Keep flushing. <laughs> uh, Can you explain the plumbing when, when you get back? Just what is it? A pipe up a trunk? What's a sitch? Oh, I'll definitely let you know. Um, I'm hoping it's just not a bucket. And then you just... <laughs> Even that's better than a tent. <laughs> Immediately after sending you those photos, went I've sent really shit photos. So sorry about why that. Why did you think? Yeah. Why do you think? Why do you, you know when you just like I went a bit photo blind. I got the box of photos out. Okay, that's interesting. And because then photos can bring up a lot of feelings. Yeah, and then was sort of no. And then I looked at them again the next day and went, you haven't picked the best ones there, but you got them. Now, but it's so not about the best to... ones, is it? And also, I've but I mean the ones thought... story. I suppose they've got they've got story. I yeah. love looking at a shitty old. Well, any yeah. any photos from pre-smartphones? Yes, are shit. Yes, yeah. By the very nature that we're taking them and we don't know how to take it. But you're also, you don't know if it's good or not till you get it back from. The, you couldn't adjust them. Snappy snappy snappy. But there's yeah. no excuse for weird. Like sometimes I look at pictures that we all took through the old system, and you're like. I wasn't visually impaired, so why is this so bad? I think I think a lot of the time I was taking the picture with a camera, thinking that the camera would do everything. Or, or like the camera was going to focus it for me. It was going to like. Yes. I forgot that I actually had some control in making that photograph look good because I look at my part, like Chloe's photos. She's a brilliant photographer, and mm. all all of her photos look they look great. You've got to have an eye for it. Like I've I got. got no, an eye I'm for not anything. a visual. I'm not. An image person, I'm a words person, right? Which is why Same. I don't like doing, you know, Instagram videos or anything, yeah, like that. Because I'm just not about pictures. I was I'm happier about on words. Twitter than I was on Instagram, yeah. and now kind of Twitter's gone weird, and yeah. everyone's on Instagram. Twitter's gone weird, yeah. So I'm a bit I'm like, not oh. and but when I have ideas that used to be tweets, I'm now like, well, where do I put them? Because I'm not going to make videos. No, exactly. You make videos. I know you've you gone viral. Videos, but you're I, a guru. Oh, for God's sake! I don't make videos. All I do is I put up clips of stand. No, I do that. But you do make videos. You make videos. I've seen them. With, See, with, with the, the boys. kids with the boys and the oh well like yeah like See, I just can't again. be no, do- I can't, I can't do, do it I made one the other day where I, and I watched it back and went so disparaging well, that's going straight in the bin <laughs> we were, it was positive like you can do it I just can't do yeah, it you're so hilarious there was one that made me laugh where you took the kids out in the pissing rain and you were sort of talking is it that's making a video yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean I, I, but that's not like, that's easy you do content it? I no. can't do content it's not easy, it's if, you not can't, easy. if you don't think that way 
Or you get caught up in watching it. Oh, I'll do another one. Then I'll do another one. Then it's not natural or thrown away anymore. Then it's shit. Then you have a breakdown. Sit in a wheelie bin for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) And then get out. Call your agent. Why aren't I doing that? They're going, you're not making content. And it just goes round When I get that, when I get that, like from Rick, just make more content. I go, what do you mean by I am... I'm a stand-up comedian and a writer. Like I, I don't have that in my arsenal. Well, that's why I Twitter was nice because you could yeah. write a joke and put it. And out. I just go. I'm like, I, I could try, but then I do it, and I feel, I feel 80 30. years old. Yeah. Like I just feel like wrong. I, I don't know how to edit it. I don't know how to do anything no. with it. I can edit, but that's I, I know how to edit because I, I can't remember why I taught myself. Because you've gone viral. You, it's not because like I've gone viral. Oh, I'm literally going to throw my phone at your head. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then we'll see. Your TikTok sensation, just get over it. it. Can you yeah. film it? And then let's see if that goes viral. It will. Yeah. And then I might go viral. Well, and, then, and then for once, Kerry goes, right, look, Joel's actually offered up his phone. Anything to get this podcast viral. Anything to get this why, podcast why started. Why head injury? <laughs> We've started. We've this started. started. Guys, I haven't yes. got a meeting with my accountant, though. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That carpet is... I, I, that we had that carpet. We what I love about that room. photo is it's got the brown carpet and the brown curtains, but and they are different browns and neck curtains as well. And neck curtains. You don't see many nets these days. No, but it's they're different browns. That's what I love about we it. We all assumed like, that neck curtains were were in the eighties. They, they were so hard to keep clean. No, I didn't. My mum and dad was anti. Oh really? My mum was really anti yeah, nets. Oh no, we had nets. Your mum was always everyone had nets except us. We got I got shit for it. Yeah. It's like why? What do you want? Do you want people to live wrong? Yeah. so you're here so I'm there who else is in the picture so they're three of my cousins so I've got a ridiculous amount of cousins I've got like 40 something first cousins and so they're three of them three boys and they lived near us so they were like my brothers really so my brother wasn't born till I was 12 I was an only child till I was 12 right and I uh, a weird only child and then my auntie because only children are you know, you that's sort that. of... Yeah. I can if I was one. Like, <laughs> I can. You can, actually. You can own it. Yeah, okay. I you definitely was weird. Because you haven't got that... It's like you're a weird little grown-up. You shouldn't even word the, use the word only, because only implies negativity. Oh, really? What was I? I don't know. I read an article about it. A single child. <laughs> that's weird. Yes, just I wasn't married. You're not meant to say only. <laughs> only. Only has a negative Why right, does only have a negative connotation? Only... As in... Oh, that. only. It's so... Yeah, it's just it depends someone missing... Well, there is. I'm sorry, but there is. (laughs) I can say, because you, I only spoke to adults until I was at school. And so you turn up at school like this weird little grown up, like who's only ever spoken to adults, really. Right. And, um, you know, and all my. So you're just very grown up for your age. Yeah, but it comes across as like precocious little weirdo. Oh, well, do you know no. what I mean? It does. No, it does. It does. When so you're wait like... a second, but you must have gone like, even though you're an. O- can't say only. Fuck's sake! Even though you were a single, child without single, siblings, without siblings, <laughs> sans siblings, you would have gone to like nursery or you know you're you're yeah, hanging you out had, with kids you of your age. Ha- but I think you? what you didn't learn and to all those do, cousins. What you, yeah, the cousins were the nearest I had to siblings. We did spend a lot of time with cousins, so they that was good. But I think what you learn to do with the sibling is you fight. sort of learn to fight, but you learn to argue, you learn to hold your own, yeah. you learn to share, yeah. you learn. Um, you, like and and because you've got parents in common, you sort of have a little ally against right. your parents to a certain extent. That's so true. Yeah. I'm, like for example, my parents split up when I was nine, mm. and it, this was in the eighties when you didn't 
explain that to the children yeah, <laughs> like, you right. know it's very different now I think you t- sit the children down you tell them what's happening yeah. I was literally like oh your dad's leaving tonight and he was got you know and Bloody and hell. I had no sibling to go what what the earth is going on, on here yeah. <laughs> you know and so you end up this kind of very it. confused internalized weird child I think I was you were super smart as well weren't you, you I was, you I was quite bright yeah. yeah and and but it was weird because I think there's this idea that if you were the clever kid at school you weren't you didn't have any friends, or you didn't. And it wasn't that. I had loads of friends, yeah. and I think because I didn't have siblings, I've always, all my life, I've I've sort of held on to friends as family. Yeah. Because I think because my parents split when I was quite young as well, so they went off and had new families. Right. So I was a bit like, okay, well, um, <laughs> I'll just sort of build my own then. Yeah, yeah. You know, and That's I think my whole life, friends did you feel have like been really s- sorry? I was. Do, right. do you feel like sp- split? Was that it, or was it that that you felt isolated? A bit of both, I guess, because. Like, neither of them, and it's not their fault. Like, they were, it was definitely better with them apart than together. Mm-hmm. So there was no answer to this. And like I say, different time. You didn't sit down and explain it to the kids or whatever. But it was just, they then both sort of started new families that oh, you weren't okay. quite part of. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. weren't quite, you were the sort of you odd the, one the, in uh, both. And the old family. Yeah. So I think friends were immediately the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't a an unhappy kid particularly I didn't have a terrible childhood yeah. it had these it was odd and unusual and you know but um it wasn't because as well in the 80s it wasn't like you know being in a family a divorced family wasn't that was that common. unusual oh I was gonna because I don't know where, where I, I grew a lot it just wasn't just was yeah I felt when I, I remember that because it happened during the summer holidays and I remember going back to school and it was all like, oh, Angela's dad's left. You I know, and it was all very... I know what you mean. Yeah, like, you don't want to be the kid that anything, do you, at no. school? You just want to blend in. You, like, you don't want to draw attention to yourself, basically, for anything, really. But my family were so... It's my mum's family, particularly, was so much fun. Like, so they were my the sort of refuge from whatever weirdness was going on at home. We'd go to my Auntie Joan's house. And my mum... Because my mum was one of nine... So I had just aunties and uncles and cousins coming out my ears. You know, they were brilliant. And my auntie, Joan, particularly. So those three boys are brothers in that picture. And their mum, because she had three boys. And out of my 40-whatever cousins, there were about seven or eight boys, then me, then another seven or eight boys before there was another girl. So there were all these mums that were just desperate to get their hands on a girl. <laughs> you know, so in that photo, I can tell it's my auntie Joan and my auntie Christine, two of my mum's sisters, have got hold of me. And giving you a side and ponytail. And giving me a side ponytail. <laughs> you rock they, a side I, pony. I'm pretty sure I've got blusher on in that picture, which I would oh, not have done. And you've got quite AJ. funky earrings. They've given me clip-on earrings. Yeah. Like, uh, that is not how I went around looking. <laughs> Do you know it? what? You look really cute in this picture. And you look... Happy, yeah, like a happy. I loved being with my family, like my extended family. They were were very lucky to have that because very. I, I, I'm always slightly jealous of big extended families. I, you know, the cousins and all that were in each other's houses, and it just sounds delightful. It was great, and they were as a an only child as I was then. It did mean I did have this, and it was like my mum out of her nine siblings. Most of them are musicians. and oh, wow. So I just thought it was perfectly normal for me that you go around your nan's house on a Sunday and everyone gets guitars out and sings, right? That's just what you... Oh, and sounds great. I know, it was like, the I used to call us the Von Chavs. Like, it was... Because um, <laughs> it was just in my... All, all sorts. So my uncle, my uncle Bob, he was like in a band. In the, he was in Hamburg in the 60s when the Beatles, Beatles were, were, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So they've all, wow. it, all been in bands. And there's still loads of bands in my family and loads of... So I was growing up going to gigs, growing up going to 
Um, we, we used to, every New Year's Eve, and again, I thought this is just what all families did. Yeah. Every New Year's Eve, for our New Year's Eve party, we'd hire a village hall. And like the bands would play, oh. and the and I just thought that's what families this did. Sounds great! I mean, it was, it was amazing. It's unusual. It it's, it sort of reminds me of when we were talking to Jason Manford about his yeah family and how they. I mean, they used to tour and used to go on, mm. like, you know. But it's sort of quite similar. Do you feel like was it? I don't know. Can you? I don't know if you can sort of conflate like or attach what you do now as a well, it's funny because what? there's so many, and I mean this in the most. Be- uh, lovely way it sounds like a negative but there were so many show-offs in my family yeah but I wasn't really one of them so my mum out of the nine of them she was the quiet one right so she was the one who just watched it all and obviously they there was nine of them grew up in a three-bedroom council house like it must have been chaos wall-to-wall chaos Mm -hmm. my mum didn't sleep in a bed on her own till she was 19 like she there was like four of them shared a bedroom two in each bed or whatever you know it was just chaos Mm -hmm. house but my mum was sort of always ahead in a book just let it all go up. My mum to this day could sit and read a book while World War Three is happening around her. Right. That's just what she did. Uh-huh. And so, and I think I was a little bit more like her. So I would just watch it all. I was an observer. And, and they were so many clowns in my family. Like, that's the currency is... The way you show affection was to take the piss out of each yeah, other. Yeah, that's and, a very and it was constant, I was going to say that. You know, and really funny. And my and I think if you went back to sort of that time or maybe a bit later at my nan's house and everyone would be there like on a boxing day or something and the place would be full. If you'd said to somebody, right, which one of these people in this room is going to turn out to be a professional comedian? Nobody would have put the bet on me. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. When I went to university, my mum moved to Ireland, right? And so I didn't see her. Did she tell you that she was? She did tell me. She did give me the heads up. But (laughs) she's like, "Okay, she's gone. Let's change the locks. Leave the country." Just so you know, and I've left. I'm in Ireland. (laughs) Don't go back to the old house because we don't live there anymore. It was so funny. As soon as I left home, like my mum moved to Ireland, and then when I was growing up, I was allergic to dogs, right? And I always wanted a dog. 
quite allergic, so I just couldn't have a dog. And the minute I left home, both my parents got a dog. I'm oh, like, all right, I'm hell. not coming back. It's fine. I get the hint. Right. <laughs> yeah, but so, it would be hard to not be a bit it's, offended. It's a bit, it's a bit harsh, isn't it? Yeah, that's a bit it's harsh. Like, all right, okay, fine. I'm, yeah, I get that <laughs> get message. It. Got it. Message yep, received. I'm gone. I'm not coming home. So your um, mum moved to Ireland, and where was your dad? My dad was, oh, God, he was all over the place. At that point in Kent, probably still. But then he went to Great Yarmouth and opened a sex shop. <laughs> I mean, this right. Is, okay, yeah. here we go. Yeah. How did you become a comedian? All right, I'm saying it. Yeah, and he's been a big personality in your life. Huge personality in my life. I mean, that that picture I've sent you is it's a weird one because I it's sort of you know like when people say to you, "What would you say to your teenage self?" or yeah. "What would you you know write a letter to your?" It's that girl in that picture I want to shake because. Look how miserable I am. I was desperately unhappy, right? It's fair to say. Well, I was, you wouldn't know that from the photo. But, but I, good I mean, I, I look at, I thought I was fat. I thought I was oh, hideous. I thought I was all these things. That, that's, that photo was taken on my birthday. Does that look like a girl enjoying her birthday? <laughs> it was my 19th birthday. You look like you've embraced the goth look. <laughs> <laughs> you look younger than 19. If you'd said to me how old do you think I am in that picture, I wouldn't have said 19. I would have oh, said my 19th 14th birthday, or, believe it or 14 not. 14 or 15. Yeah, yeah so. I always looked young until I sort of hit 40 and then I, my face sort of caught up <laughs> with reality. <laughs> Why were you unhappy when you were 19? I think I just was confused. You know, all the things we've said already, I was just confused. I was not happy in my own skin. Mm. I wasn't. And so when you... I sort of look at that photo and there's not many photos of me as a teenager. I hated having my photo taken. Right. And genuinely, that photo, <laughs> my dad... Made, so he'd come to visit me. I was at uni. He'd come to visit me for my birthday with his then wife. And... Um, I always refused to have my photo taken. And my dad loved her. He's got, in fact, he's holding a camera in that, but he loved taking photos. Yeah. And he, he literally sat me down and went, look, if you get kidnapped, you've got nothing to give to crime watch. So you've got, <laughs> you've got to let that's me take a, your that's photo. That's a great incentive, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? And that's what that photo taken. is. No way. That's your crime <laughs> that's watch That's my shot. crime watch shot. That's hilarious. And I, would only, I was like, I'll be in a photo, but not on my own. You've got to be in it as well. But yeah, I never felt like, certainly in my family, I was never the funny one. Like, never the one you would have gone. But you're going to have to have a certain, right, you've got a big family that are all very confident. Your dad's got a section. <laughs> you're going to have to <laughs> we got a, we've develop got a, a personality. Yeah, say, I say he opened a section. That's not what happened at all. So my dad um, and his then wife had this <laughs> this dream. Of, we're very, we're we've very, our dreams, we don't Angela. have big dreams don't in our family. Like, their but their dream was to go to Great Yarmouth and open a B&B, right? <laughs> which, which they did. Fair and, enough. And um, and then my dad started work. I don't know how it came about. I don't like to ask. But started m- sort of managing the local sex shop. Okay. Now, Someone's again, I don't like to ask too Someone's many. Someone's got to manage it. Someone's Why not man- your dad? Exactly. I mean, but I think my, my dad had quite a lifestyle, shall we say. Okay, I can um, see you're uncomfortable with the, this. Well, it's, <laughs> wait a second. Okay. <laughs> Don't unpick lifestyle. Okay. It's a right, lovely we'll euphemism and we're going to stick with it. Okay. What, what the phrase I always use about my dad is brilliant dad, like the best dad in the world. I miss my dad terribly and he was such a good dad and I was his princess and yeah. it was terrible husband. <laughs> terrible. Right. Terrible. Sure. Um, you know, and that's... And that's that's, that's the lifestyle. That's yeah. the lifestyle. Okay. You know, um, so I think with my dad, he was diagnosed so he had um type 1 diabetes but mm-hmm. he was diagnosed when he was like 7 years old or something and it, so that would have been in the 50s and it's not like today where you can have type 1 diabetes and live a relatively normal life yeah. except you've got to do you know certain yeah. things in those days it was pretty much like good luck oh, <laughs> you know shit. and so he used to inject himself twice a day with insulin yeah. but with old like hyper- hypodermic needles he didn't have these sort of things they have yeah, now yeah because my mum was type 1 and yeah. she used um 
like a pen. Yeah, thing. like a pen. Yeah. yeah my yeah, dad yeah. used hypodermics the whole time. Oh my god. And he um always wanted to be a paramedic, right? That was his thing he wanted to be. And then he was told he couldn't because of his type one. And, it, and of course that wouldn't be an obstacle now. No, it's a different But world. it was then. Mm. And I think at that point, this is what my mum always says about him, when he was told he couldn't do the thing he wanted to do, he just went, well, fuck it then. Right. And like just sort of went, this disease is going to get me eventually, so I'm just going to enjoy myself. And in, so in the time when, if he'd looked after himself a bit better, things might have panned out differently. Yeah. He just didn't take any notice of it. So my, my dad used to have hypos all the time. And um, in fact, I used to... So when my parents split up, I'd spend a lot of time just me and my dad. You know, yeah. and I was like a nine-year-old girl. And I used to have to... Like, I was really well-trained in how to deal with my dad having a hypo. So I always had, like, mini... To, I still, to this day, can't Glucose eat Mars tablets. bars. Oh, yeah. My... It was like mini Mars bars of medicine in my head because they were just what you give dad when he's having a hypo. Right. And I was about six and I was at my friend's house and my friend had what I call an angry dad. Right. You know a dad who just shouts a lot and obviously wasn't very happy in his job yep. or whatever. And um, my dad wasn't like that. But if he was having a hypo, he might shout and get a bit aggressive. And that's how you knew he was having a yeah. hypo. And she'd just give him a Mars bar and then he's fine. And so I was around and I always had Mars bars in my pockets. <laughs> and I was around at my friend's house and her dad started shouting. And I just went, I've got, I've got it. I've got it. I just went and gave him a Mars bar. And how did that <laughs> what so I'll give my dad a Mars bar when this happens and then we're right. I bet, it, I bet oh, it did calm him down. He's like, I don't know Probably what Probably don't know why Mars didn't use it as a campaign. Calm your dad down. Chill out, mate. Have a Mars bar. Mars a day keeps your angry dad away. My dad, when he had a hypo, would act like a child. But he's growing mad. You know, I remember once being in... That's a lot for a kid to witness, though. It's a lot, but it's sort of funny. Like, it, I, I remember being... <laughs> That's about, a coping I was about, strategy. I was about 12 and we were in London. We'd gone for a day trip to London, me and my dad. And um, we'd, <laughs> we're walking along somewhere, I can't even remember where. And I could see, like, I, he would get these little beads of sweat on his forehead. And I was like, oh, here we go, quick, better. And I was like, trying to go, Dad, you got any Mars bars? And he just starts giggling like a child. He's like, <laughs> oh, jeez. So, so we, I saw a newsagent. So I sort of got him into the newsagent like that. And I went and got a Mars bar because I didn't have any on me uh, or something. And I, I, was having to, I was trying to get the money out of his pocket to pay for it. Right, so finally, so we're doing that, and he's like slapping me away and giggling. And that, the poor bloke behind the counter was like, What Doesn't is know going, what's on going on here? On, yeah. And then I got the money out and I went and bought the Mars bar. And I turned around and he's just got a magazine off the top shelf. And he's just like, Oh, that's a lot for a Angela. Angela, you're telling that this is not, as an outsider, that's too much for a kid to deal with. I was so mortified. Yes. This poor guy behind the counter said, Is everything all right? I was like, Yeah, yeah, just trying to get this magazine. And an eye full of snatch when he's just trying to. (laughs) How old were you? I must have been about. 11 or 12 then. Oh, my God. <laughs> Peak Crime. puberty. Yeah. It's Crime, for, humiliation yes. time. Oh, but also scary when they're having a hypo because, you you, you know, mm. like if you if you don't get the sugar in them, you can you can slip into a coma. Do you know what Bloody I mean? It's hell. like a, it's a lot of responsibility so, for a child. Yeah, but I grew up with that. Like I, I, That was just always there. And so it never felt like it was a responsibility. It was just... And they used to call them, like, hypos were wobblies when I was little. Dad's having a wobbly. And like I said, I just thought all dads have wobblies. That was just part of being. But a dad. there were so many so codes never, for things that we now know no in the work. world we're living in now. Yeah, we can go. 
okay. <laughs> we were happening brilliant now. at child psychology <laughs> or blah. You know, it's like these yeah. these are just euphemisms and coping it was, techniques. There, there was some real. There was one <laughs> when, I was, when I was a bit older. I was about seventeen, and um, I had this friend, and her my dad was single at the time, and her mum was single. So or maybe we're a bit younger, about sixteen, and we we got it in our heads like we get them together. We're sisters. Brilliant. That'd be great. Sounds that be great. great. We'll like Christmases film. together. It'd be brilliant. <laughs> So, so I said to my dad, uh, my dad, I was like, oh, can Vicky and her mum come for dinner one night? And my dad was like, yeah, all right, fine, whatever. You know, I had no idea I'm trying to, you know, we've got Set this idea. Up. parent trap. So, um, so I invited, the, we invited them around for dinner and my dad's cooking dinner. I'm helping my dad cook dinner. And I could see he started to have a hypo. Right? So I got these like digestive biscuits out and I'm, I'm trying to feed them to him. And I hadn't noticed they were no sugar Digestive oh, biscuits. Hell. Why has your dad got no sugar? Di- oh, it's probably because yeah, he's because if yeah. yeah right. So he's eating them. Of course, nothing's happening, and I'm like, they're going to be here any minute. They're going to be here any minute. He's just giggling, like because he just gets. He would get really childlike when he had a hypo, and it's like they're drunk, you know, just but really silly. And I was like, oh god. And then the doorbell rings, so they've arrived, right? So I'm like, just, just eat some biscuits. <laughs> and I went and opened the door. And they came in. And like, I knew my friend's mum fairly well, but not, you know, I yeah. met her a few times. I've been around there for dinner, whatever. Yeah. And they came in. And my dad just went to her, just came out. And, and I thought, oh, he looks all right. He must have had the biscuits or whatever. He must be starting to get the biscuits kicking in, whatever. And he came out and he just went to her, take a seat. And she sat down and whipped the chair. <gasps> oh, my oh God. No. And they was just laughing. I was like, Oh my god! And then you try and explain to somebody who doesn't know anything what about did diabetes. She do or say? She's just like, that's like, I'm really sorry. And I was like, let me try and explain what's happening. She's like, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> oh my god! So I'm trying to explain what had just happened. Did Did you manage to get any sugar into your? I managed to get. So and I, you I realized that at that point that they were sugar free. Because I'd seen he'd eaten a load. I'm like, why isn't this working? I was like, they're fucking sugar free. So I think I just like, made him an orange squash with loads of sugar in or something like that. Which drink, you go in there and drink that. <laughs> Deal with you in a minute. Did Someone... they get together? No. <laughs> oh, no. like you actually were wondering what the ending of that was. Maybe it was a romantic outcome. <laughs> this is a very unusual That was their meet cute. <laughs> that was their meet cute. Yes, I've compacted my spine. When can I see you again? <laughs> So this, this, this picture one. with you and Michael, is this you starting that's, out? That's my sort of... I wanted a picture uh, that represented comedy. Because, right, this sounds so... I love this picture. This it is, does um, represent it's Michael Fabry. It doesn't it? it yeah. So this was taken in Edinburgh, backstage in Edinburgh in 2012. You I both look very taken. young. The reason I've chosen that photo is, like, Michael Fabry is my best mate in comedy. Like, I knew him because I booked him before I started doing stand-up. So he's and been he's on the whole my, journey He's my entire journey with me. And when I do, you know, he writes with me, he's my mate. And in fact, he's like my brother because we fight like brother and sister. Like, right. we really bicker, Michael and I. It's brilliant. And uh, I remember once we... <laughs> I can't remember who it was. We had a young comic and we were doing a, a road trip to a gig somewhere. And Michael was driving. I was, like, in a... It was quite a long journey. And we had this young comic in the back we didn't really know. And then <laughs> Michael and I were talking about something and ended up bickering about something. And this comic went, I, f- I feel like I'm on the last family holiday before the divorce. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what our relationship is. Like, we love each other, but we also, like, fuck you, actually. But um, I bet you get some good comedy out of that. Get some really yeah, good yeah. stuff out of it. And, and uh, you know, he's just, outside of comedy, he's just a really good guy, but he's such a brilliant comedian. Yeah, he is. He's and a great writer, got this Michael. incredible brain, but he's funny when he tries to be and even funnier when he doesn't 
I tell you why I like, I like the, the look of this photo is that neither of you look jaded. Yeah, so you make like, it look cool. You, you, you actually look like, A, you want to be there. B, whatever you've just <laughs> done. or that we can't share. Things or about year, to do, you're going to enjoy it. I know what I was doing that year because it was 2012, so yeah. I, wasn't do, I hadn't done my first solo show at that well, point. There you go, that's why you And I was just it. doing a two-hander. <laughs> it was me and Matt Richardson doing a two-hander on the free oh, fringe. Oh, lovely, And Matt. we just had the best time. Of we just course. rock up, do our show to a full room, get to pissed. free fringe, Stakes and then get pissed and then do it again the next day. because you're still a beginner and you're, it's no like, one was reviewing to, us I remember going I'm just here to learn yeah <laughs> 2000 <laughs> fail 2000 2002 were my favourite Edinburgh's because I literally was just going up there to do like spots, tens or, or uh, 2000 I was doing spots 2002 I was doing a competition and I had two weeks on a, a package show and it was really fun and well, I just mm. had such a laugh I remember and then, doing an open spot at three o'clock in the morning at Pear Shaped and I, when I went down there I went can I get some stage time and he went yeah I can put you on at three I was like three tomorrow and he went no three tonight three in the morning so yeah. I just sat and drank yeah. it's the one and only time <laughs> I've ever been on stage blind Absolutely drunk yeah. like I couldn't can you imagine see. if someone says to you yeah you can get on at three a.m. you'd be like well, you can literally not yourself. absolutely not no. there was a year so that was 2012 I think there was a year, 2010 I just started doing stand-up. So I was doing, I, I was going up anyway. So I used to go up to Edinburgh and tech other people's shows so that I would have a reason to be there. And, and then, and I was just doing open spots. Yeah. And so I did the Jill Edwards course in 2009. And then I didn't do a gig for about six months because I was so nervous. Yeah. Was so worried about it. And then I, so I sort of started gigging a bit in 2010. And then in Edinburgh that year, I, I was doing some open spots, but, I, because I knew so many comedians, I hadn't told anyone that I knew. So the comics in Brighton knew, but the likes of like Acaster and Josh and all of that, I just hadn't told them because I was so like... Yeah, I get you that. You know, felt so totally weird. Totally makes sense. You want to be under so, the radar. Yeah, exactly. So I did this open spot while I was there and it was Nish Kumar was hosting it. Yeah. And I knew Nish because um, in 2010, I teched a show, that, like a sketch show that some friends of his were in. And so he said, I'll come and do an open spot. So I went, and Josh was headlining, Josh Riddicombe. And I was at the gig, and it was on one of these weird little venues, free fringe venues on Cowgate. Mm -hmm. And I went in, and Josh hadn't arrived. I was like, brilliant, I can just get up and do this and get out before he even gets here. And mm -hmm. he'll have no idea that I did this. <laughs> and literally, Nish called me on stage, and I saw Josh walk oh, in no. with James Acaster. Oh, right? bloody hell. As I was going on, and I saw them look at me like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> As I'm walking on stage, like, <laughs> And I did it. It was like a ten minute spot, and I did it, and it was fine. It was good. It was whatever. And I came. And about a week later in Edinburgh, I saw James, and he was really pissed. And he just went, "We were so fucking happy you weren't shit." We were just like, <laughs> oh. "What are we gonna say? She's shit. What oh. are we gonna do?" <laughs> in comedy speak, that's a massive compliment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you mean, weren't shit. You were saying you weren't shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it sort of feels like a backhanded compliment. But, but you can feel yeah. how nervous they must have been. Yeah, because... To, do it, you know what I mean? What like, is this about like... them? <laughs> this is your story. <laughs> it is. The, you know what always, I mean, There's you? always that thing when, you're, when you've got a relationship with someone and you're invested in them and then... You, they go up and do a gig and you're like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to talk to you if this is true. <laughs> so how exactly. are we going to lock eyes? She gives how us loads of gigs. We're going to have to still and be we're nice gonna, to we're her. We're going to have to say oh stuff man. like, oh, the lighting was good. Do you know what yeah. I mean? How are you going to oh get past man. that? It's, it's a miracle worst. anyone gets up there at all. Uh, Look, just for people listening, okay, mm. so we just need to, just can I rewind just a tad? Yeah, okay, yeah. so we're not talking about Angela's career. Okay, so Angela starts doing stand-up comedy. She is immediately quite good, okay? Right, everybody listening? <laughs> Sorry if my voice has gone up at the end. Okay. So 
and is 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 some might say strutting around being very good on the circuit <laughs> uh, very quickly picking up 20s very quickly picking moving up the big fast, clubs yeah. moving very fast through uh, like, like a hot knife through butter, actually. <laughs> is this, did you get curb quite early on as well? I got curb uh, fairly early, yeah. yeah well, a couple I mean, years and in. then, okay, you get very early on your first television show. And it's not a one off on a panel. No. no, it's not, actually. Sorry. It's a, someone, <laughs> she's a, a, he, is there helium in the room? There appears to be helium. <clears throat> Sorry. No, it is a. Full blown series <laughs> called Stand Up for the Week. I think how many series did well, I had several, but I did the one that, several, it, so. that ended it. <laughs> so, like, it doesn't what you do, which is to underplay it. Angela. It doesn't matter. You got on this. It was a show that all of us as comics wanted to get. Mm-hmm. It was it was a very difficult show to get to, to get, and you fucking got it. Yeah. And not only did you get it. You were good on it. Thank you. <laughs> you were really good on it because I watched it. And Thank it you. was, um, I feel like sometimes people get opportunities and they get them too soon. Yeah. And then you think, do you know what? If you just had a little bit of time to cook, mm. you would have been. But how the fuck were you good so early? I'll tell you what. What's the secret? So here's the thing. I never do anything until I'm more than ready. Right. So, so what a lot of people do when they start doing stand-up is you go to people, yeah, I've got a 10, when mm-hmm. you haven't. Mm-hmm. You've got a five that you need to pad. As mm-hmm. you go along, you do your five that you need to pad, and obviously you have a shit gig, and then they don't book you again for two years. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go, yeah, I've got a 10, when you've actually got 15, and you're more than ready to do a 10, then you'll go and do a blinding 10, and then you'll move to doing 15s, 20s, really. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I think it's actually my over-cautiousness is what, got me going quickly because I wouldn't do anything till I felt I was ready and often I felt I was ready a lot longer after I was right so like for example my, my agent who I've now had for 10 years is brilliant like his job is managing my career and managing me you. <laughs> like, yeah, well, you are ready and, it, and he's well he's really good at knowing when to push me and when not to like when to go I remember when they asked me to be a regular on Mock the Week so it went from, you know, I'd do one or two a series or whatever, to they want you to do four a series. Yeah. And I got that call from my agent and I, I like went, well, I can't, I'm not good enough. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not experienced enough, I'm not this, that and the other. And he literally went, yeah, they're, they're not asking you because they feel sorry for you. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, absolutely. they're not, they're asking you because they want you to do, they wouldn't ask you yeah. if they didn't think you could do it, I mean, you know. Let's not unpack. They asked a woman <laughs> yeah, to be exactly. a regular. I was just going to the week. <laughs> yeah. Angela, they, they really didn't have to do that if they felt yeah. Yeah. We can't end on talking about comedy panels. No, I'm already <laughs> doing the next photograph, Kerry exactly. Godman. It's a happy I'm, one. Look how I've it's pushed it forward. One. I've been pushing it forward. I love it. It's like not married oh, couples. We're really, we're really working together as a team in this fucking podcast. <laughs> no, Kerry, you, you do it. No, you do it. That was fine. You do it. Shall I do it? (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about Crunch Chocolate Bars. Because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming. 
in the candy wrapper language. Mm. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy, rocky ridges. Now, drum roll, please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy, munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with Crunch. Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta. Because we know on one flight, Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. Tell us about your last photo, Angela. So my last photo is a photo from my wedding. I hope so, because otherwise you look it's, a bit weird yeah, I'm, I'm overdressed. <laughs> otherwise. Um, so there was, I thought I wanted a wedding photo, because they're nice and, you know. And, and I love this photo, not just because it's got everyone in it, like everyone that came to the wedding, but because obviously the photographers told them to shout something. And, yeah. all shout, and it's made loads of them look like sex dolls. <laughs> <laughs> because her mouth's like, right. like, second, like, me, me, like look at Juliet Myers in the front she looks like a sex doll I love it look. oh my god <laughs> that's so true <laughs> Juliet oh bless her I love that it that is a great picture it looked like a bloody good do your it was wedding. such a fun well do you know what I would recommend if you're thinking about getting married anyone listening do it at the end of a global <laughs> pandemic <laughs> because we got married in September 2021 and so we had about 200 people and all, like, they were so ready for a party. Like, they were, these people hadn't been out for a year and a half. Yep, they looked like they were And they were, it, and it was just, we did the wedding, we had the ceremony, and then we just, it was like a festival-style thing. We had a tent in the field. And the sun came out. The, it was beautiful weather. What and we just had the bunch. And then yeah. everyone camped over. Yeah. And so oh, we had, well, George Egg made us breakfast the next morning for everyone He's that good camped. at cooking. He's so really good, good at, at cooking. cooking. Check out his Instagram page. <laughs> and, um... And it was just a big party, like, and we weren't. We had pie and mash. We, it was really sort of. And you, and also looking at the photograph, just a lovely bunch of people. So many as nice well. people. Nice such, dress as well. I, lovely dress. Both yeah. of you and Matt, you look so gorgeous together. It was such a fun, like, I love that picture because it's just got everyone I love in it, pretty much. Mm-hmm. You know, the only sad thing is, uh, well, there's several sad things. One is, my family in Newfoundland couldn't come because they still weren't allowed to. Fly. Yeah, travel, yeah. Yeah. So there's obvious people missing there. And the other side, I think you guys both know this, and I'm about to really bring the mood down, but is that my lovely friend Phil Gerard yeah. died that morning. And so know, yeah. it was... I forgot, actually, it was the same day. That is, yeah. that is massive. It was quite a lot. Yeah. It was quite a lot. And But um, so that those two things are forever entwined, you know. But I'm really good friends with his wife, and we sort of... she Because what happened, I got the... Because obviously Phil had been very poorly... And we knew that it wasn't going to be a good outcome, mm. but we didn't know when it was going to happen and not that. And it was sort of a couple of days, two days before that wedding day, we had to do, we had a humanist wedding. So we had to go and do the legal bit separately in a registry office. Yeah. So that was just me and my husband. And we had his best man, a guy called Andy and his wife and Michael Fabry and his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. They were our witnesses. That was it. Just four of them. And um, and we just went to the registry office, did the thing, they witnessed it, whatever. We went and had lunch. And I got a text from Beck that said, so Phil had taken a turn for the worst that week, really, and was at home but having palliative care. I got a text from Beck that day, while we were having lunch, actually, that said, I think you should come now and see Phil. So 
we just me, Michael and Matt, my husband and Fabri got in a car. Just got a cab, left left the rest of them to pay the bill. Just got in a cab and went straight up to see him. So because Phil was was going to be a witness that day, oh. you know, he was that was, and um, we went to see. So he knew that we'd got married, that we were, you know, that day, and I spent some time with Phil that day. Just sort of made sure I said everything that I wanted to say. Just you know, and then the next day, the Friday, we were sort of busy because this wedding was like I say we just hired a field and we had to put everything in it like toilets generators you know so it was like a big project management thing the day before so I was up at the field the next day and I spoke to his wife and she said oh he seems to have perked up a bit today he's having a good day and I was like great that's brilliant yeah and so what our plan was was between the wedding ceremony and the um party party because we had the little wedding car that we'd do a little detour, go around to see Phil, so we could see us in our finery, you know, yeah. whatever. And then I woke up on, it was about six o'clock in the morning, I was waking up. My mum was sleeping in my bedroom because we've only got a little flat and I had all the bridesmaids staying and it was chaos. And so um, so I woke up at like six in the morning and I'd got a text from Becca about 20 past five that just said, and it literally just said, he's gone. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck. What do we, you know, we can't have a wedding. <laughs> what on earth do we do? And I just didn't. And then I think it was Beck's sister texted me and said, because um, Beck obviously, we knew Beck was, her family were with her. So she was taken care of. And and actually, it's really weird because we, if it hadn't been my wedding day that that happened, I don't know what we would have done. Had you had a conversation with him or Matt that that, might happen because it was all feeling close. I just hadn't let myself think that would happen okay. on that but day. But also, you you just had a conversation where Beck had said he's having he'd a... Sort of, he'd he'd he had a better day up, the day before. So. Apparently, but you've since your... heard that happen sometimes. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. But, um, oh, man, it's just huge, isn't and it? And so I, I sort of... I, I, yeah, that's right. I got another message that just said, you have to go and smash this wedding. Like, Phil would be really upset if you didn't. And I was like, you're right. It's really hard to explain because it was the happiest day of my life and one of the saddest at the same time. There's something fortuitous almost about them being the same day. Yeah, Yeah. and actually it meant he was part of the wedding. Mm. He was part of it. He was in our speeches. He was, you know. forever, like now, you you know, he's... He's forever part of your wedding. Yeah, and he's in... in, And and also, I suppose, when you're looking at that photograph, Phil isn't there, but he's there, you know. So he'll always be part of your a part of this wedding photo yeah, and there's absolutely. something about that that yeah I mean it's he's not there but he's there yeah so it's sort of happy it's like a happy sad yeah. you know you, it's a really hard one to explain there's so many yeah. mixed emotions because I think about my yeah. wedding day the wedding how brilliant it was but also I think what it did was it really made it mean something like I, I don't know if that would have happened anyway yeah but like for Matt and I it was all the you know the catering the cake the whatever else none of it really mattered like I wouldn't have given a shit that day if the caterers hadn't turned up. We'd have to get pizza. Weddings are weird things or, for sort of you know, modern times because they're yeah. rooted in something almost medieval. But yeah. it, it, but you enter into the spirit of it. Yeah. And the spirit of it is love and friendship. Yeah. And then, of course, Phil fits into that. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. it just made us go... Like, they're su- Phil and his wife were such an amazing blueprint for a marriage yeah. that it just made you go, that's what we're... Aspiring what we're to, aspiring yeah. to, and and also like this is what this is the promise we make, and this is how it could it could end in a really horrible way. Mm. Oh, but we're still doing that. Like, you, you celebrate know. friendship, 
live. It, they're yeah. meant to be. Yeah, exactly. It's all in twice. It's all yeah. part of the same thing. It's, it's, so it's it all made sense somehow. Pers- yeah, no, that's perspective, yeah. isn't it? Well, like, like his wife said to me, like the following week, and I rang her, and um, she just went, "It's quite a fucking mic drop from your support act, isn't it?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staging me to the end. <laughs> you have used comedy a lot in your life. To yeah, deal with, yeah, yeah, to deal with people's stuff. I think comedy and trauma are interlinked. Quite interlinked. I think they are, but I think they are for, for all everyone. of us. They are for all of us. Show me a comedian that's not had a tough time. You know I, I haven't. Mean? I haven't got ADHD or had a tough time. <laughs> yeah, and you're very oh, well balanced. <laughs> Sorry, could we turn the levels down on my, on my uh, headphones? Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been really fun. <laughs> We ought to say that Angela is actually on tour at the moment and if you get a chance to see her, she's on fire. I've heard this show is absolutely brilliant. I'm going to go and see it for this next leg of this tour. She always cracks me up. She's <laughs> brilliant. Uh, I'm going to... I really wanted to see her in Brighton, actually. She's um, she's at the Dome on the 3rd of October and I really wanted to see her, but sadly, because of my blinking tour, I can't go. But if you get a chance to see her, check out her website, angelabarnescomedy.co.uk. Uh, it's got all of her dates on there. And please do buy a ticket. You won't be disappointed. Segway queen, here we go. Here. I won't walk all over your seg now. Now that you know that the queen of sex is <laughs> maybe, you have to, maybe you should hold a side up. Like, I'm doing a seg, so I won't seg. just trample on here it. Here we go. Right, Kerry, I'm doing a seg. Hang on, you ready? Seg! Ready? Three, two, one. Angela. Are you doing you now? Do I can't fucking believe it. I knew you. I was like, I'm not going to be ready to answer because I know this isn't going to happen for ages. Well, I mean, I don't even know if this seg will ever fucking. Right, okay. Are we ready? Go on. Right, go on. I've got to put it up. There's I'm no taking sign there. I imagine it. Oh, Jesus. Right, here we go. Segway. <clears throat> Angela, you've got a podcast. <laughs> what? That is a great seg. I don't like that. It is. I just. Why are you? It was Sorry. brilliant. It yes. was brilliant. It no was wonder brilliant. you've gone viral. It's, it's like being in a masterclass. <laughs> Right, okay, well perhaps you Kerry would like to introduce this little bit. What's your podcast about? Uh, So I do a history podcast, It's but it's history for people who think they don't like history. It's called We Are History. You're the right old history nerd. I'm a bit of a history nerd, but certain types, like... Sort of kings and queens and princesses and that don't really float my boat. You like, like, you like bunkers. I like bunkers <laughs> yeah, and yes. you know a bit of Cold War, all that sort of yes, gritty stuff. Yeah. Soviet. Um, stuff. I don't. Like, I always think with with the princesses and princes and, king and medieval history and all of that. I'm not, I don't know where that ends and fairy tales begin. Right. Do you know what I mean like What's Princess real? and the Pea? Was that real? No, I don't know. It, yeah, no, I did Princess and the Pea in history. GCSE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> the Tudors, isn't it? <laughs> But it, was in, it was after the t- prince is in the tower, then you do the princess and the, the pea. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a real thing. Yeah. Um, but I do it with John O'Farrell, who brings a little bit more kudos to it than I do. Is he, he an actual historian? He's not, neither of us are actual historians. We're both com- he's a comedy writer and um, he like writes musicals now. He just put Mrs. Doubtfire in the musical. He j- wrote that. Is that a real story? A that's a real story. story. Uh, yeah, that's a real story. Yeah, right. definitely. <laughs> uh, as is Chicken Run, which he's also <laughs> written. And um, we... So we sort of just pick things that we find interesting, read the books about them, and then do a podcast about it. And they're quite light-hearted and yeah. quite um, Is it fun. like horrible histories for grown-ups? Basically, yes. Excellent. You can... Yeah. You're listening, you're laughing. You're, you're learning. learning. Yeah, there No you go. one's doing any of those on our podcast. We need to work on that. <laughs> no one's learning anything. If anything, if anything, this is going to reduce your IQ. 